0: Have you considered how your company's digital transformation plans might also increase its cyber risk? If not, you might want to join the Security Ledger and RSA Security on May 9th at 11 a.m. for taking on digital transformation. In this webinar, I'll talk with RSA portfolio strategist Steve Schlarman about how IT leaders and executives at cutting-edge firms are addressing digital risk management as part of their overall digital transformation strategies. To learn more or register point your browser to securityledger.com slash risk. Ever again's a common refrain you hear uttered after tragedies, whether they be wars, massacres, financial scandals, or other man made disasters. Alas, you don't often hear it uttered after data breaches, and for good reason. As terrible and eye popping as they may be, data breaches just keep happening, with a regularity and severity that are numbing. Last week was a good example of what has become our new normal. In the space of a few days, the firm UpGuard Security disclosed the discovery of data on more than half a billion, with a B, Facebook users that had been abandoned on Amazon's S3 cloud-based storage service. Around the same time, there was more news that 300,000 records from VoterVoice, a grassroots advocacy group, had also been found exposed on a misconfigured internet-connected server. FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, leaked data on 2.5 million disaster victims. And that list doesn't include the sundry revelations about point of sale system breaches at a leading restaurant chain or attacks on the car maker Toyota that divulge customer data. Despite countless congressional hearings and data security and privacy laws in 48 separate states, data breaches show no signs of fading into memory. Why? To find out, we invited two experts into the Security Ledger studio this week. Jake Alcott is the Vice President of Communications and Government Affairs at the firm BitSight, which tracks third-party cyber risk. With us also is Dimitri Sirota, the CEO of the firm BigID, which provides data governance services. To start off our conversation, I asked about last week's huge Facebook data leak and what that incident tells us about the challenges of securing data for modern organizations.
1: Yes, I'm uh, Jake Alcott. I'm Vice President of Communications and Government Affairs at BitSight.
2: Dimitri Sirota is my name. I am the CEO of a data privacy and protection company called BigID.
0: So we have you both on the Security Ledger podcast this week because... One of the big stories from last week was, of course, a huge revelation of a leak of a huge amount of Facebook user data. This is the firm UpGuard Security, which is often a source of these stories, two separate troves of user data both seemingly linked to third party application developers
1: yeah well you know it's it's amazing uh, as you pointed out last week was an incredible week for for these stories but really when you think about it it's really been the last few years that third party incidents third party breaches have really dominated the news i mean you cannot open up uh, a paper today without, of course, reading about a breach. But, you know, so many of these breaches are really tied in with third parties or vendors or the business ecosystem uh, being attacked. So it's absolutely become a critical story that organizations are having to deal with today.
0: Indeed. And I mean, this goes all the way back, I guess, maybe the first story of this type that got a lot of attention was the target breach. uh, However, many years ago it was now, I can't even remember. What have we learned in that time about this This problem of third-party risk, it certainly, given the cadence of these events, it would seem that organizations, while they might understand the risk, are still having a really hard time addressing the risk.
1: Yeah, and you're exactly right. I think all of this really did start with with Target years ago. Target, of course, really brought to light the fact that third-party risk was not only a thing. Uh, but that it could have, you know, serious and potentially catastrophic uh, consequences for an organization. You know, the CEO gets fired, the CIO gets fired, et cetera. So, you know, the way I would I would think about this, Paul, is that for a lot of folks um, who have been in the financial sector for years, um, you know, they would look at this problem and say, "Yeah, this is actually this is an issue that we've been dealing with for, for quite some time." Uh, the financial sector back in the 2011, 2012 timeframe was sort of the first to deal with um, third-party cyber risk from its regulators. There was some increased regulator attention uh, in that timeframe by the FFIEC. And I think what what has happened more broadly is that as folks have spent more time and effort to improve their own cybersecurity performance, working more on their own uh, castle walls, Uh, So, to speak, you know, the bad guys have just realized that the other really significant thing that's been taking place is the expansion of the business ecosystem and all of the outsourcing uh, that has taken place over the last number of years. And so the bad guys are really just thinking about how to target those weak links in the supply chain. Um, If you look at the average organization today, you know, they're working with hundreds or thousands or sometimes even tens of thousands of different uh, business associates or third parties or vendors. And so, you know, in a lot of cases, the bad guy can't get in to the uh, the first party. And so it's just very easy for them to attack through uh, through the third party supply chain.
0: Dimitri?
2: Oftentimes, you'll hear data referred to as kind of the new oil, right, in the sense that there's enormous value uh, in the information that's collected and processed by organization. But just like oil, uh, oftentimes the data seeps and leaks and moves and transports uh, wherever and whenever. And I think part of the challenges you see within organizations today is just the volumes of data that they collect process and increasingly share with third parties. Most companies don't have very effective means for tracking that data. So they rarely know exactly what they've collected, what they've processed, what they've shared. And moreover, they often lack the basic capabilities or or recollections to provide the basic controls over top of that data. And those could include access controls, making sure, for instance, that uh, wherever the data is stored is not over-permissioned so that anybody can gain access to it. And ensuring, thirdly, that there is appropriate measures taken to monitor the data for third-party attempts at exfiltration uh, or attack. And I think those three things represent some of the challenges for companies that collect the data um, is that there are so many places where they can collect it, process it, and share it they just don't know what they have and it's very very hard to protect what you what you can't find
0: i think the oil rush analogy is a really great one actually cuz when you when you think back to the early days of the oil industry like in the united states there are all these sort of historical photos of the of the geysers right where they'd tap into the to the seam of oil and the and the stuff would just you know gush out and you know 100 feet into the air and, you know, pollute everything around it, you know, and people would be gathering it in buckets. It was just a mess, you know, and obviously modern day uh, Exxon or BP, that's, you know, that's not what happens when they tap into a new reserve for the first time. But it's what happened back then. And and I guess I wonder, is is that kind of where we are with data? If data is a new oil, are we still kind of in that, you know, we got a geyser on our hand here uh, stage when there just isn't a lot of discipline about, this new resource.
2: That's correct. So I think over the last probably eight, nine years, more and more companies perhaps in response to some of the shift online, perhaps uh, in response to competitive pressures from organizations like uh, like Amazon have become more data companies where their most valuable asset is in fact, the data that they collect and process as a consequence over the last seven eight years companies have attempted to get as much data as they they possibly could on their customers their employees their clients so that they could better know those clients and customers and employees so they could better personalize they can better target them all of those things. So you've often heard phrasings like uh, big data, you may be familiar with uh, terms around uh, machine learning. Uh, Those all represent this kind of new data centricity where companies have become um, truly data companies where the, the only asset that matters is the data that they collect, process and share. The counterpoint to that is now they have more data than they've ever had. And that data is in more places than even existed, you know, 10 years ago where where companies had maybe a file share, a relational database, maybe a mainframe. Today, there's all kinds of cloud applications, on-premise applications, NoSQL, big data, all kinds of places where they could gather this information. And so the challenge increasingly for companies is to make sense of that data, but also to become effective stewards or governors of that data. And that's a new mm-hmm. kind of challenge that they didn't worry about when they just thought about big data and they thought about extracting value. So now they have to take a step back and really be able to tease apart what data do they have, how are they using that, um, and how do they become more effective safekeepers of that uh, of that asset. And so that's a new and shifting mentality. And part of that dynamic is also driven by some of these new privacy regulations that some of your audience may have heard about, such as GDPR in Europe, CCPA, or California consumer privacy in California. All of those new regulations are in large measure a response to what many view as this abuse of data collection, processing and sharing that has occurred over the last eight, nine years, as there's been this kind of oil rush, gold rush uh, to collect as much information as possible what that's led to is poor behavior in terms of managing that information and safeguarding that information. And the result is what your um, uh, listenership is all too well aware of, where every day it seems there's new breaches, there are new there's new incidents of misuse, of abuse. And I think that the uh, pendulum is now just starting to swing where regulators are saying enough. Uh, companies have to become more responsible stewards. And if they don't, the penalty could be a fine. It could be a class action lawsuit or even a criminal uh, jail sentence.
0: Right. And if we're to look closely, let's say, let's take a look at the Facebook incident that that came up last week with UpGuard. Um, In that case, you had a Basically, a social media platform, a data aggregator, as it were, about its users, who uh, had relationships with two different application developers that were kind of... um, hooking into their user data. One was uh, Cultura Collectiva, and the other was this defunct Facebook-integrated application called At The Pool um, that is no longer really actively developed. And in fact, I think the company behind it is no longer in existence. But both of these had accumulated these troves of data, uh, 146 gigabytes in in one instance, and um, kind of parked them out on the cloud. And then uh, company UpGuard came along and found them, but we don't know who else found them. Where does this fit in? I mean, this is not the HVAC contractor. These were customers of Facebook's in some way who got access to the data, but then were not good stewards of it.
1: Yeah, it gets back to this sort of very fundamental governance issue, which is, I think, what a lot of organizations who are thinking about third-party cyber risk really need to start with. Uh, which is you know how do i how do I understand this problem uh, this challenge? how do I involve as many folks within my organization as I can to address this challenge, and that really means treating. Third-party cyber risk not as a it's not a technology problem as much as it's a governance problem. So assigning roles and responsibilities for understanding who is it that we're doing business with, what types of access do they have to our data, what data are we providing to them, do they have direct network access or do they uh, do we provide them data uh, remotely that they are working with? These are all to sort of really sort of fundamental questions that organizations need to be asking them themselves. Um, and that's the way that, that folks who maybe have a better handle on third-party cyber risk are treating this issue today.
2: That's right. At the end of the day, the company that shares the data is ultimately accountable for the data. Uh, they've collected it under a set of terms uh, or policies from the end user. And under that, there's an expectation that they're going to be responsible in whomever they decide to share it with and that it conforms to whatever those terms of use are. And again, if the group that they share it with proves to be ineffective in terms of protecting that data, ultimately they have some responsibility. Obviously, some of that will be determined in the courts, but uh, 100% if you collect the information, you can't uh, abrogate your responsibility to it by saying, well, I gave it to them under um, under good faith and they abused it. There's a certain permanence to data. People culturally are loath to delete it. Um, if you think about the actual probably best preventative measure to protect information, it's to minimize it. Don't keep what's unnecessary or superfluous. However, most people culturally are like pack rats. They keep everything. And organizations that collect it never really purge themselves of information they no longer need. And the consequence is this, that uh, when you're witnessing where you find all kinds of data and all kinds of nooks and crannies that are forgotten about and that data is no longer monitored or was never monitored in the first place. And so the original organization that collected it in this case, Facebook may be unaware. And therefore the result is that you have these data fragments, and again, the 500 million is a, you know, stupendous number. Like think about it, a few years ago, and I think it was Yahoo who first uh, announced that they were breached. It seemed beyond belief that somebody could lose half a billion uh, identities or information on half a billion. And now it just seems to be commonplace a couple of years uh, later. And again, part of that owes to the fact that Most people fail to minimize their data, and they fail to monitor the data after they, uh, both within their organization and with third parties that they share it with.
0: Okay, so BitSight just came out with a survey of, I think, around 130 cybersecurity professionals, a couple kind of top-line takeaways from that. First of all, I think 97% of the the folks you surveyed said that uh, third-party risk was a critical issue for them. Uh, So a critical issue, that's basically everybody. And then I was surprised to find that um, 80% of the financial services uh, professionals you interviewed said that they either would or have already uh, declined to do business with a company because of the perceived cyber risk of engaging with that organization. Um, now, that's financial services, not representative of every industry, but um, is this something that is going to start happening uh, more and and in other verticals as well? It's a fascinating finding, isn't it? I mean,
1: it, and it speaks so much to a couple of issues. Uh, issue number one is the... Um, to your point, the, the criticality that organizations are now placing on third-party cyber risk now means that they're building it into their procurement processes, and so that is just a, a, a way that a lot of these more you know sophisticated financial services firms are thinking about it. You know, how do we integrate this into our early decision-making process about whether or not to do business? Uh, with somebody, so that's a really important point. The flip side, I think, is um, is really fascinating too, which is that if you are an organization doing business um, with a financial institution or financial services firm, think of what you need to be doing with respect to your own cybersecurity performance. Now, you know, essentially, what what is happening is you are being held accountable not only for performance and price, but also for your cybersecurity. So there's a really fascinating dynamic that's taking place here, which is that not only is you know sort of third party becoming such a critical issue, um, but now as an organization trying to win business with these firms, I need to be doing better with respect to my own cybersecurity performance. And I need to be aware of how my own peers or competitors are performing because of the same issue. You know, I think we all know that the financial sector is has is always the you know the leading sector when it comes to a lot of this stuff but a lot of other sectors you know are are close followers and we certainly see with some of our more sophisticated customers in the electric sector and energy and retail and the like that these are the issues that they're really focusing on how do we better build security into the procurement process how can we do a better job of evaluating the security performance Performance of our third parties? How do we create that in more of an um, integrated function across the company from you know, the business units to the procurement mm-hmm. and acquisition processes? And so we're absolutely seeing that dynamic taking
0: place in other sectors too. One of the truisms, and we've written about this at Security Ledger, is often that companies can uh, more or less take their chances with large data breaches because by and large, Historically, there hasn't been a very big price to pay for losing uh, huge amounts of data and and kind of having lax practices. That's starting to change now, both with the GDPR and the California Data Privacy Act. What impact do you see those regulations having? And uh, have you, given that GDPR has already been in force for for a while now, I mean, are you seeing that uh, getting more... Organizations to the doorstep of a company like bitside saying you know we need to we need to get our arms around this uh, third party risk, Jake, what are your thoughts
1: yeah we we do see that in part because gdpr at its core is essentially a, a third party regulation you know here are the terms are data processor and data controller, but I mean essentially gdpr mm-hmm. is all about. Um, third-party risk management and how to work, you know, more effectively um, with a more secure data processor. You know, if you think about the two approaches, whether it's you know concern about regulation and increased fines and penalties that we might have to pay um, because of the new regulatory environment, I absolutely think that that's driving um, a lot of um, focus and concern about security and certainly about building third-party risk management programs. But I really think that the key driver here is the fact that organizations are really holding each other accountable and responsible for security. That has been a very significant dynamic that we've seen uh, change and evolve over the last five years. And so if you think that you might actually lose business opportunities, lose customers because of your ineffective security practices, I mean, there's there's nothing that's going to make you want to do more or better than being responsive to your customers' demands. And so I think if you're a company doing business today and you're and you're thinking about your own security performance, your goal is to demonstrate strong cybersecurity practices and particularly to be able to compare that to what what your peers and competitors are doing because it is going to be a business differentiator for you.
0: So we've we've got just in the last week, you know, a slew of different data breach incidents. Is there a point at which these stories stop popping up on a on a nearly weekly basis? Is this, in some ways, uh, sort of the long tail of bad security practices? And, and going forward, we're going to start to see better practices and as a result, fewer breaches? Or is this just kind of a, a byproduct of our uh, global connected economy and, and more or less things like this are going to be happening on a regular basis, uh, regulations or, or not?
1: something tells me that we're only in the beginning stages of this problem. Uh, I do think that the third party and fourth party incidents are only going to continue. And, you know, it's not just going to be about, data breaches you know i think that there will be some incidents this year that will involve business disruption issues compromises of a third party or a fourth party that you know essentially will disrupt the operations uh, of you know of a number of different you know first party organizations so i think that we're probably just in the in the early stages of of this game what i do think is also happening though is that more and more organizations are going to be very focused on addressing some of these issues. So I think that with increased pressure and focus and attention by the first party uh, to the security performance of their third parties, whether it's by using uh, security ratings whether it's also leveraging contract whether it's also performing some sort of you know enhanced you know on-site assessments on occasion all of those practices are really going to drive better security throughout the business ecosystem and i think in the medium term the result will be you know improved security performance in the ecosystem and that will of course be better for all of us
0: do we get to a point sometime Dimitri, in the next uh five years, 10 years, where we kind of uh, look back on, you know, the types of stories we we were reading this week, uh, kind of like we look back on those uh, grainy photos of the geysers in Texas and and sort of shudder, you know, uh, and think, oh, man, you know, it was really the Wild West back then.
2: You know, it's hard to say, uh, but certainly there are some parallels um, in other kind of related industries. So if you think of data as an asset, there is another place where people have dealt with the problem of um, information that was abused, and that's in financial transactions. So going back a century ago, there weren't necessarily standards for how to account for financial transactions. And as a consequence, there was a lot of abuse and misuse. In the 1920s or so, people introduced uh, regulations. They introduced standards for how organizations needed to be able to uh, account for their financial transactions. And that increased the level of stability, uh, financial stability in companies. It wasn't perfect. You still had situations like Enron, where people deliberately uh, used their data, but certainly you didn't have what you had in the 19th century and, and previous. In a similar way, if you rethink data as this incredibly valuable asset, like oil, being able to account for that, being able to know what you have is clearly a first step to be able to be a a more effective uh, custodian of that information. So some of that is taking place now. And again, it's being pushed with these regulations like GDPR and CCPA. The second step is being able to provide those controls around the data and ensuring those controls are in place. That too is that becomes the default setting will ensure that fewer of these incidents occurred. And then lastly, of course, just better security hygiene, making sure that you're watching the watchers, if you will. There's a proliferation of technologies being introduced in Silicon Valley, in Israel, that are those early warning systems to alert organizations to potential malfeasance. So all three things are necessary, that better accountability around the data, uh, that better uh, access controls around the data and that um, early warning, monitoring of potential bad actors uh, are necessary, but all are taking place. Now, will that get resolved in the next two years or three years? Probably not in part because just more data is collected, more data is being shared, but over time, you will start seeing better outcomes like you did in the financial industry, like you're seeing in the healthcare industry, better processes, better policies, Better products will lead the way.
0: Dimitri Sirota of Big ID and Jake Alcott of Bitsite, thank you both so much for coming on and speaking to us on the Security Ledger podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Hey,
1: Paul, always nice to chat with you. Thank you.
0: We were speaking with Dimitri Sirota, the CEO of the firm Big ID, and Jake Alcott, who is the Vice President of Communications and Government Affairs at the firm Bitsite.